Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I woke up this morning next to a pizza box. Let's put it all in perspective. Bong, bong, bong. Yes, hello, welcome back. It's the new season of the Wellbeing Lab. You've been away, you're doing lots of things. I've done a play, I did a monologue. Amy's had a kid. <laughs> and I'm just going to reiterate what I love about this podcast because it's about going quite in depth on topics. Some of them are broader than others. Uh, some of them are a bit more left field. A lot of them are suggested by listeners, which I like because people want to know more about certain things, as do I, because I'm a curious little bunny. Just call me Miss Mangle. And I think there's a bit of humour. I like having a bit of humour as well. We can talk about mental health and also have a laugh at the same time while still taking the subject seriously. What goes on? What is Team Wellbeing Lab? It's me, Will, in my attic. If you don't know who I am, I'm an icon. Uh, if you don't know who Amy is, she's an icon. And I just speak to some wonderful people who really know their field, and that's what I like. More exciting news, I'm also becoming a patron of the charity Shout, which is an amazing charity that helps predominantly young people across the UK. They brought over a text message service so you can text Shout from your phone, and it's available 24-7. And you can speak live to any of their 3,000 volunteers. I've actually observed, obviously appropriately, the platform and seen how it's worked in real time. It was just extraordinary. They're an amazing charity. I did an event with Ed Sheeran to raise some money for them, and I'm really thrilled to be working with them and trying to help them as much as I can. So you text SHOUT to 85258, and someone will be on the other end. So if you know someone that is struggling, they can do that. But yeah, so I'm thrilled with that. Now, today, let's get on with things. It's an episode on confidence, and a listener actually suggested confidence. So we listen to you, listener, and here is my chat with psychotherapist Anna Martha. Very interesting. Hope you enjoy it. Catch you on the other side. I am passionate about taking therapy out of the therapy room. Basically, I used to work in all the kind of normal clinical settings and like GP surgeries and little rooms rented in practices. And then I got Instagram and started sharing a little bit about mental health on there and realized that there was this whole thing called psychoeducation, where you're just kind of sharing those skills and giving them to people. And that's what I'm really, really passionate about doing. And I have a real privilege as a therapist to kind of get this incredible insight into people's behind the scenes. So I know that so many things I'm not alone in, in my own kind of mental health journey around kind of shame and guilt and rage and intrusive thoughts. So I can speak so much more openly about them because I have that real certainty that I'm, I'm not alone. So I tend to share a bit of my own story and then kind of build on that with that kind of therapeutic knowledge that I have so that's what I'm passionate about doing writing podcasting any kind of way that gets it out there psychoeducation I like that I like that word and I want to talk about your book but I also following on from what you said about Instagram I think that that is one of the great things about places like Instagram is the psychoeducation that can go on that can really 
people like yourself offering great strategies and tools to people that can really change people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember talking quite openly about intrusive thoughts. So I didn't drive for 10 years, Will, despite having a license. I would literally do anything to avoid driving because I would have these intrusive thoughts of kind of sitting behind the wheel of my car on the motorway normally and causing a crash, just kind of like turning the wheel to the right or just kind of, Mm. I don't know, doing something that in my mind's eye would, I'd see this whole pile up situation. And I started being so scared that, Does this mean I'm going to do it? Does this mean it's kind of a premonition that something's going to happen? So the more I learned about intrusive thoughts, the more I felt able to kind of talk about it openly because I knew how utterly kind of debilitating they could be. So I remember the first time I posted about intrusive thoughts, so many people just responded to this post saying, oh my gosh, it's a thing. And I just think... Isn't that so incredibly freeing when you see these things that you realize they are things, they're not just you. It's not just you gone wrong or your brain gone wonky or, you know, just really questioning who you are and what you're capable of. It's a thing that has an explanation and there's something that you can do about it to take the power out of them. And I started driving again and I drive all the time now. And it was all because I started understanding what intrusive thoughts were and I can share that and it is such a, a privilege to be able to and an honor to be able to put words out there that just start freeing those things up for people yeah and I think it's so isolating and lonely having anything that's tricky with one's mental health or physical health that I know when I hear that other people have the same thing I normally get a sort of twofold thing, which is one, I don't feel alone. And, and then I feel a sense of sort of validation as well, that I'm not bonkers, basically. Yeah. It's not all my fault, because I think there's a way of sort of, I can sort of internalise it, turn it back in on, on myself. It must be my fault, that whatever's going on that day. And tell me, so how did you get to write your book, Know Your Worth? It's just my journey, really. And I think the biggest life-changing thing that I have been through that informs everything, the decisions that I make, the relationships that I invest in, the fact that I can actually receive love and support from my friends and my family is this journey of understanding that I have innate worth and validity just because I'm human in and of itself. And I think my life was very much shaped by the fact that I just did not have that. And if I really think about it, I hated myself. I really felt like I had to do so many things to please other people just purely to deserve my space in the world and my place in relationships. And everything that I did was around pleasing others and and serving others and giving bits of myself away until I didn't really have anything left. And I think I learned that to love well was to be really sacrificial. Like that's what made a good friend was that you would sacrifice things for your friends or you'd sacrifice things for your family. Or in my case, that's how you're meant to mother. You're meant to just give, give, give to your children and it doesn't matter what's left. And it's like, if you had a big cake and you just gave it all away and then at the end of it, you realize you've given your cake away and you've just got crumbs. It was like, I was just left with the crumbs of myself you know, I started realizing that actually my friends, my family benefit and enjoy me more when I'm not just a plate of crumbs. I can enjoy life more and I deserve not to just be a plate of crumbs. And so I think, yeah, the book 
is very much an invitation for people to start recognizing what was there all along. You know, I think the best growth that we do sometimes is actually about undoing. It's it's about stripping back all the things that we thought we should be and how, you know, what we think love means and what we think it means to be deserving in this world. And so it's kind mm. of a book of undoing, really. And let's start with what is self-worth, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think self-worth is just, it's a fact. The fact is you have worth just by being on this planet. And I think this can be so argued with, right? Because we think, well, actually, there are some people that are less deserving of love and care. So we think about people that have done terrible things, you know, people in prison, life sentence, done awful things. And we think, well, actually, they don't have as much worth as someone who's done the most incredible things. And we can start kind of grading people as to what good they deserve in their life and how how deserving they are of empathy and compassion. But I think if we were to truly sit down with anyone and really unpick their stories and we were able to remove that lens of judgment for a, for a little bit, we would drill down to a place of pain often. We'd drill down to a place of fear and that would prompt empathy and I think we'd realize that so many of us do bad things there are people that do bad things but in and of ourselves the core of us we have worth and we have value and it just you know can get a bit messy along the way so I think it's that self-worth is that fact that we're deserving of good things we have worth innate worth and then I see self-esteem as being how we view that so I think of like self-worth being the windscreen on the car right it's there and then self-esteem is all the stuff that sits on it that makes it blurry to look out of so you know the flies and the dead bugs and you know the dust that is our self-esteem that's how we're viewing that fact so that's how I see it in my mind and you talk about self-esteem sort of MOT don't you so can you talk a bit about that yeah and it's about thinking where is your self-esteem right now do you feel deserving of rest do you feel comfortable when there are opportunities to rest and slow down or perhaps some people feel like well I I need to keep doing stuff because that's what makes me valid you know that's how I earn my space in this world so therefore you know some people have a lot of guilt around rest how are you nourishing yourself right now food and movement and the social aspect of your life are you letting people care for you in the way that you care for them are you finding compassion for yourself in the way that you find it for others you know what what's that looking like do you like yourself do you appreciate yourself do you respect yourself what is your relationship with yourself so that kind of self-esteem MOT is very much trying to get a clear picture of what's on that windscreen which are great questions to ask oneself as a sort of well exactly as you say an MOT you know going through the various areas of one's life from am I getting enough rest do I think I'm deserving of rest do I like myself I mean that's a very simple question isn't it but it's amazing the answer that I might come up with dependent on the day you know it could vary but I think there's such wonderful questions that I guess you can then start from that working on your self-worth and looking at what kind of barriers can come up to prevent us having self-worth Well, I think people pleasing is such a good one to think about, you know, how much of your resources are you spending on other people? Now, that's part of relationship, right? They have a transactional element. We do things for people, they do things for us. But I think where it gets challenging is when you feel so much more comfortable 
doing things for other people. So you're happy being the one that they call upon. You're happy being the one that they ring up when they're having a challenging time and you've got all these kind of compassionate words of wisdom for them. But how does it feel when you're having a challenging time? How easy or hard might it be for you to say, actually, I really need you right now. And I once heard, now this was so kind of challenging to the very core. Someone described people pleasing as people pleading. And that really shone such a light on it for me because I think I always felt like my people pleasing behavior was really altruistic. Like I'm doing it because I care about people and I, I want to make people happy and I want to support people when actually I was doing that to feel valid as a person. So that people pleasing also came with a bit of a caveat of you need to validate me in return because that's why I'm doing it. I need that because I couldn't offer myself that. So I think just starting to notice, you know, relationships are two-way streets and that's how they become real and rich is that you let people be there for you just like you're there for them because actually there's a privilege in that well isn't there when someone opens up to you like there's an intimacy yeah. in that and you know those people in our lives they deserve to feel that too from our vulnerability so it's like a two-way yeah. street and what a lovely connection you know what a true connection to be able to do that it's time for an ad break and you're going to get a little shamanic rattle into it Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I heard you say something earlier. I think it's, you know, asking oneself, am I deserving of love from others? So I wonder how much that comes into it when if we're asking, I need your support now, you know, are we deserving of it, I guess? Oh, yeah. And I think so many of us might recognize that from a younger age, for whatever reason, we've maybe had to be quite independent or self-sufficient, or perhaps when we're going through a hard time, like I lost my sister when we were young, um, I was 10. And I remember just being desperate to be easy because there was so much grief around. I didn't want to, I didn't want to trigger sadness or difficulty. I didn't want to be a pain in the backside. I just wanted to be good and easy for me that was how I kind of carried on living. So often these things that we need at the time as kind of coping self-protective mechanisms, they become a lifestyle. So we might be praised when we're little for being the good one or the quiet one or the straightforward one, perhaps if we had a sibling that was just wired very differently to us. And that can become a way that we feel we need to carry on. Like, this is why people like me. This is what makes people want to be friends with me is because I'm giving and loving and always there when actually it just kind of really tips the balance and means that relationships end up being quite 
one-sided and so I think it's really important to just take a moment to think about am I super independent have I been trying to meet my own needs for a lot of my life what would it be like to invite someone else to help meet them if you're going through a hard time are you someone that just says you know keep away from me I don't want to burden you I don't want you to see me like this I don't want you to feel like you have to help me how can we move towards that place of actually I'm a, I'm a mess I'm having a hard time this is when you can be there for me it's a it's a huge shift I mean that is a huge shift isn't it and I guess if you're working against past not just narratives but past behaviors past beliefs even embodied in one's nervous system mm. you know it must be such a challenge to start moving towards not isolating from someone are there other things that you can go through sort of action wise once you notice that perhaps oh I isolate this person rather than once you've done that MOT and done that sort of seeing you know do I exist as an island what other things would you sort of start putting in place yeah I think just start noticing all of those things that you don't say and express so it might be as simple as you're with a friend and they express an opinion over a musician and they love them and you're there thinking oh not really a fan but I'm not going to say that because I don't want to disappoint them or I don't want to make it awkward and it's just starting to notice that your opinion is as valid as anyone else's. Your needs are as valid as anyone else's. What might it be to actually just in a way that kind of feels safe, just to start kind of uttering those things and realizing that actually people can handle you more than you think. Because I think there are many of us that really fear that if we are ourselves or if we do express these needs, they'll be too much. If we are ourselves, we'll be too much. If we share our burdens, they'll be too heavy for other people. And often, yeah, maybe for some people that is a bit too much and it is a bit too heavy, but actually that says more about where they're at than how valid it is that you share those things. So I think it's just starting to really step back and recognize what you're not saying. I, I used to find it so hard going to a friend's house and saying, can I grab a glass of water if they'd forgotten to offer me? So I just wouldn't and I'd go thirsty. So I'd start encouraging myself to say, can I grab a glass of water? And then just seeing that they'd, they'd turn around and go, oh my gosh, Anna, I'm so sorry. Let me grab one for you now. And thinking, well, that was, that was all right. They're not shocked at my neediness. And it just kind of slowly builds up confidence and this recognition that actually perhaps the right people in your life can handle the fact that you have needs and feelings and opinions. And maybe even some will respect those and want to meet those. But I think you know, taking a step back even further is that sometimes we need to start listening to those needs and opinions and respecting them for ourselves because there are many, many of us who struggle to validate our own needs and feelings and opinions. So of course, it's going to feel terrifying imagining that they might not be too much for someone else. I'm so pleased that, you know, that I heard you say that, that it can be terrifying because it really is genuinely terrifying to begin with. I remember when I first started sort of setting more boundaries and really proclaiming my truth you know to begin with I mean it's terrifying yeah I noticed it's like a sort of practice the more I did it the more I was like oh, no one's died it's all fine and the big thing for me I don't know what you think about this was the idea that it's okay if someone doesn't like what I said you know that's okay yeah isn't that a challenge huge it's something that silences 
the silence is so many people, doesn't it? And think of all the stuff that we've said yes to because we've been too scared to say no. I think of some situations as a teenager that I found myself in that would make my mom cry if she knew because I just didn't have a no in me. And, you know, I think it's this real fear of what would it mean to express this? And sometimes we have to do it with our hands sweating and our you know, and our knees shaking, but there are ways that we can build up to it. But yes, sometimes it's going against the narrative of a lifetime that is so deeply set. And it's in the doing that we start really challenging that and seeing that some people can handle us and not everyone's going to like you. And oh my gosh, that's an uncomfortable truth that I've had to come face to face with over the years. But actually it's also incredibly liberating Because when you start realizing that that's just a fact you can do nothing about because we're all different, we're not all compatible, we're not all going to like everything. And that's really nothing that I can control and manipulate because it's just how it is. And the more I've recognized that, the less I've taken it as like this personal attack or, you know, I'm not enough because I can't be everyone's cup of tea. And it's liberating. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's so liberating. And I realized that, you know, there will be lots of people that do not like me in the world. I was like, oh, that's amazing. I can't do anything about it. You can't. Um, and it's manipulation because I am trying to do something about it because I'm not being honest to myself and I'm actually manipulating the person to try and get a different outcome to like me, which it is a form of manipulation. Yeah, but it is. And I think seeing it like that again, like I think wanting everyone to like you, wanting to please everyone, we can go along thinking that's an altruistic thing. Well, of course, you know, why wouldn't you want everyone to like you? Well, actually, it is manipulating and people pleasing has an element of this people pleading. And then suddenly we start seeing it as something utterly exhausting that takes from us all the time. We're putting so much energy into something that we're never going to achieve. And then even if we do, we've totally changed who we are, which is actually a massive disrespect when we're trying to force ourselves to fit into other people's boxes and, you know, fulfill other people's preferences. We're doing ourselves a massive disservice. Mm. And other people. Yeah, and other people. Yeah. So it was actually a listener that got in touch with us. You know, it's like all requests Friday. And uh, they wanted to talk about confidence. Now, is there a difference between self-esteem, confidence, self-worth? Yeah. So I think self-worth is that kind of unchangeable fact. Self-esteem is that thing that we've been chatting about working on. And I feel like confidence is basically a byproduct, right? Because we know there's like confidence that feels a bit false. It's kind of, you know, fake it till you make it. You know, those people that kind of barrel into a room and actually we know that underneath it all, they're a little bit insecure. And then there's that confidence that comes out of actually, I feel able to be myself. I am not fearful of other people's judgment. I'm not fearful of someone saying, oh, I don't actually have that opinion it's about authenticity. It's how able do you feel to be authentic to who you are? And I think that's the real confidence. And that's an amazing byproduct of working on our self-esteem. So it's all tied in together. But I guess, and here's the thing that comes into it is, and this might be a sort of a thing that can make the journey towards finding one's self-worth building up one's self-worth more difficult is the people and how they react to us saying our truth so you know in an ideal world yes I'd go in and go can I have a glass of water and any reasonable person would go yeah that's fine but let's say I happen to have certain toxic people in my life and they go who do you think you are ask for a glass of water you haven't even asked me what's going on with my life so that must be quite a knock So how do you deal with that? 
you know, sometimes I have to caveat and I think I do, you know, I do in the book as well, caveat the fact that sometimes when you're working on these things and when you're starting to place boundaries that ask people to respect you, some people won't. And there's that line that I love is that, you know, when you, when you start addressing people pleasing, when you start putting in boundaries, the ones that will find that hardest are the ones that benefited from you not having them there at all. When you've always been a yes person, then you start to say no. There are some people that are going to, yes, it's going to be a bit jarring, but they're going to think, oh, fair enough to her. I'm going to ask someone else. You know, but then there will be people who, for them, you've always been that person and it's been good for them to always be able to have a yes from you and they don't like it anymore. And perhaps that relationship is no longer sustainable because they can't respect that you want to put boundaries and barriers around your resources. So there can be a loss there can be losses, there can be relationships that perhaps really struggle to exist when we start asking for respect, when we start respecting ourselves and we start wanting to step away from the exhausting, people pleading, people pleasing behavior. It can be really hard. That's the honest truth of it. But the relationships that do stand the test of time are often the more sustainable ones the more kind of nurturing, nourishing ones, the ones where it is that two-way street. And they're, they're often kind of fewer, to be honest. And sometimes uh, it's surprising, it has been surprising to me, you know, as I started setting more boundaries, became more truthful to myself and so to others. You know, sometimes people that were really closest to me, there were some who I thought I would always be friends with, and I realised actually this is a very toxic relationship. Yeah, that maybe it was kind of dependent on that dynamic. Yeah, enmeshed and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes the people who come to the fore as we start getting healthier are the more surprising ones. Yeah. You think, wow, gosh, they were always really healthy, those people. Yeah, and it, it can be, you know, there can be losses along the way. There can be, yeah, there's almost a bit of grief along the way of, damn, I really thought that this relationship was a good one. I really thought that you would be able to respect that boundary that I've started putting in place with my palms sweating. And it's felt really risky for me. And I think starting to be open with friends around this. So perhaps if you want to ask for something or you want support or you want to answer a question, honestly, when a friend says, how are you? You know, just being a little bit honest around that and saying, you know what, I'm going to give you the honest answer. And this is actually really scary for me. Or I want to ask you to help me with something. And I want you to know that I have been deliberating over whether to ask you because I find it really hard, but I just want to be honest. And just letting people kind of encourage you along that journey. And it is a confidence, as you said, like it's something that we, it's like a muscle, vulnerability and authenticity. It's like a muscle that we need to keep using and it does get stronger in time. And also the more that you can then stand in your truth, because you know that you have worth and you know that your opinions are valid, even if people don't agree with them. The less we look externally for that validation, the less we need to kind of do that people pleading, please validate me. It's more like, I'm going to do this because this is right. And you might not like it, but actually I'm, it's right for me. So that's why I'm doing it. And it's, yeah, growing in more confidence in, in those things. It comes, it really does come. And once you've started the process of working through various thoughts, you've looked at your self-esteem, you've started looking at actions and you put into place things like people pleasing. I suppose the next thing is how do you maintain that? So upkeep. 
So just keeping being honest with yourself. Sometimes it's like layers of an onion. Like I remember the day my first book came out, it was in the first lockdown. I came downstairs. I'd never had a book out. I was expecting it to feel unreal, incredible. Like I'd arrived and I could finally feel validated in all this work I'd put in. And that I was, yeah, it's going to feel great. And I walked down and my family had uh, done this little party and like blown up balloons. I wanted to turn walk out the door and cry. I found it so deeply disturbing to feel celebrated in this way. And I just felt really upset. I was like, for goodness sake, I've been doing all this work. I've got all this knowledge. Why on earth is this so uncomfortable for me? And I think sometimes these things can feel like a step back when actually it's just, you know, it's just another layer that has been revealed. And I think it's not beating ourselves up when we feel these kind of old feelings rise up, but actually knowing that perhaps we've just found another soft spot. Perhaps we've just found another little area that needs working on somehow or needs a bit more compassion or a bit more untangling. And yeah, it's just another layer of the onion and that's fine. And we don't need to feel kind of really discouraged. It's just growth. It's constant, it's constant isn't it? It's a, it's a lifelong work. Yeah. I think it would be great just to touch on an amazing tip, which is asking yourself throughout the day, even if you set a reminder on your phone, you know, just saying, what do you feel? What do you need? Feeling need, feeling need. Because for those of us who have been so fixated on the feelings and the needs of others, some of us have actually kind of lost the ability to even name and validate them and find the language for them. So just thinking, what do you need? Oh, actually, I'm hungry. It might just be a simple kind of physical need. You know, I feel bored or I feel lonely you know you don't necessarily need to do anything about that although if you can think of the steps take then amazing everything is a statement to yourself so if you feed yourself when you're hungry you're saying hey I'm deserving of feeding I'm deserving of nourishing myself or I'm deserving of reaching out to a friend when I'm feeling lonely but just start to notice them and for many that is so you know just that really pivotal well I didn't even realize that I had these needs and feelings and then if someone asks you, what can I do for you? What do you need? How are you feeling? You've got an answer for them. Mm. So really helpful. It's a great little tip that I think, because it can keep things so simple, but can really be very life-changing, which yeah. I guess is you know, where we started at the beginning. We were saying about psychoeducation and sharing tips with people that can really, they can use in their life and can really make a huge difference. Yeah, the little things. Well, Anna, thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you and take care. Well, thank you for having me, Well, It's been a pleasure. That was Anna Martha. Oh, that's loud. Let me face this way. I'm using a new mic, listener. There seems to be endless planes going overhead today and also they're re-tarmacking the pavement outside. I didn't tell you that, Amy. I don't care. I give up. I choose happiness rather than stress. But anyway... You've been in touch. Uh, since our hiatus, Amy went on a crocheting course and learnt how to stencil. And I went on a composting course and dry stone walking. A listener's been in touch. You've given me your name, but I won't read it out because we don't do names here. It's like Fight Club for mental health. Hello, Will. Hello. I listened to a podcast on attachment and it has helped in so many ways. I lost my husband of 52 years last April. In brackets, from that information you will gather I am knocking on in years. That makes me laugh. And have suffered horrific anxiety and panic attacks since then, although I've been fearful all my life, always afraid and sad. However, since listening to you, I've taken away so much helpful information. My mantra now is for the adult child I still am. Are you really going to behave like that? 
it really helps get things back into perspective. Well, this is brilliant news. And then you go on to say, if there's room for a podcast on bereavement and grief, that would be so helpful. We have been looking into that. Uh, take care and thank you. Well, that's just, thank you very much. Someone else has been in touch. Hi, William and team. That's you, Amy. I don't normally write mails like this, but I wanted to reach out to say thank you for such a helpful and informative podcast. I'm late to the party and only discovered your podcast, most people are, only discovered your podcast at the beginning of holiday and binged the whole series in a couple of days. I'm at the beginning of the exploration of my own mental health journey and there was a lot that resonated with me. Somatic therapy is something I'll be investigating. Yes. And hold high hopes. This will make a difference for me. The episode on trauma and EMDR also struck a chord with me. My best friend from school has been diagnosed with PTSD and hasn't been able to work for nearly a decade. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. I sent him this episode with the hope that he could use this to know that there are options out there and he can get some tailored support. He responded that it wasn't an option as it was not available on the NHS. Hmm. To be honest, I was frustrated that he chose inaction instead looking at the reasons why it wasn't possible and not taking action to do something. Well, yeah, I can get that. So this person is saying, do I sit back and do nothing or am I the one who steps up and takes action for your friend? And you're saying that you found a therapist who specialises in trauma and EMDR and paid for a course of treatment for your friend. And I've been the catalyst to this. Well, I think that's very generous of you. Uh, What I would say is, you know, check in on your own. You know, we all want to help people, um, but make sure you're looking after yourself because that's really important. And I think it's wonderful that you've helped your friend. Um, but make sure you look after yourself as well. If you want to get in touch, email hello at wellbeinglabpodcast.com, Twitter at the Wellbeing Lab, Instagram and Facebook at the Wellbeing Lab Podcast. Yeah, so there. Next week I'm talking to Professor David Nutt about psychedelics. It is absolutely fascinating and it actually blows my mind, which I think psychedelics can do. Please take care of yourselves. If your road is being tarmacked, my heart goes out to you because it is destroying my chakras. Goodbye. Did you know the Wellbeing Lab is produced by Audio AF and is part of the ACAST Creator Network? It's true. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.